Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available... On digital, Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. Former Nation's Capital, it is Wednesday, March 22, 2023, and this is the Bob Seska interview on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 791 on the Biden Harris administration, 594 days until the 24 presidential election. You can find me on Instagram, the Bob Seska, Twitter, Bob Seska underscore go, Spoutable, Bob Seska, Patreon, BobSeskaShow.com. And I can't wait for you to hear my talk with Mary Trump today. We got into how Donald Trump is handling his impending indictment in New York City, how all of this legal trouble he's in is affecting him. We also discussed the psychology of the people in Trump's inner circle, why they continue to support him, knowing he could exploit them at any second, using them as human shields as soon as he's in trouble. Plus questions from our Patreon subscribers, and you definitely want to stick around until the end of our talk. We came up with a brand new idea for a podcast series that we're super excited about. So don't forget to subscribe to Mary's podcast, all the podcast players, and of course on the Politicon channel on YouTube. Links in the description. Meantime, please help support this show by subscribing to our Patreon page at bobseskashow.com. Okay, here comes my talk with the great Mary Trump. More fun, more music, the Bob Seska Show. How's it going? You're not allowed to ask me that question. <laughs> Is there some sort of NDA I'm violating or what? What's going on? No, it's just an impossible question to answer. I know exactly what you're talking about. How, How are you? <laughs> I'm doing okay. Um, okay. I, I'm not thrilled with the latest news from New York City about the grand jury being off again today, but I don't think there's any sort of emergency regarding that. I just think just forestalling yeah. the indictment, but... Uh, Allison Gill said earlier today that the indictment would be sealed. So we won't know that it's happened until either Donald says something on Troth Central or if he's officially arraigned. So are you or feel- at Waco at his cult D- revival at, in Waco, Texas, of all fucking places? 
But are, are you feeling optimistic about indictments in New York City? I don't know if that's the word. Um, I used to be a very optimistic person. <laughs> and uh, I'm not really anymore. What, what disabused uh, you of that? What happened? It's just too much. It's just yeah. too much yeah. has gone on. And he's the fact that he is not just still the leader of the Republican Party, mm-hmm. but running for president, the front runner for the Republican nomination, and that the Washington Post and others have headlines like, you know, Donald's freewheeling approach on the trail. Like, you. Oh, God. Yeah. Really? Really? Yeah. And I mean, it shouldn't surprise me. You know, we talk about the founders with re- such reverence, and we never mention that more than half of them owned other human beings. So, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> I guess, I guess we've chosen our narratives, but it, it's, um, and again, I don't want to undermine what's happening. Like, if there's an indictment, I think it's serious. I think the charges will be serious. But the framing, again, is so appalling. Like, yeah. it's a hush money porn star thing. And that's not what it, that's not what it's about. It's about fraud and election fraud and fraud against the American people. I mean, you know, it's it's the least serious of the big three. Yeah. But that doesn't mean it's not significant. And um I don't know. I just I think we just kind of the narratives out there keep undermining um, our ability to impress upon the people who need to know Mm -hmm. how devastating this all should be and how appalled we should all be that we continue to be at the mercy of this vindictive toddler. I mean, the whole reason there was this frenzy this week is because he lied about being arrested on Tuesday. And then the the most entertaining thing about that is, and I say entertaining sarcastically, is <laughs> that now the entire Red Hat entertainment complex is like, ha ha, liberals, you thought it was going to be Tuesday. It's not, neener, neener. Wait a second. It wasn't, we didn't say, in fact, every major publication said that the only reason they're reporting it is because Donald said it, because Donald trothed it on his website in all caps. So that, <laughs> that's the impetus behind it. We're not making this shit up. We're not saying that, oh yeah, it's absolutely going to be Tuesday. We're completely tethered to this. So you better watch out Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. No one's saying that. It's true. But what is happening is Every mainstream media outlet hops to it and acts like it's going to be Tuesday. I mean, wall-to-wall coverage. I mean, I haven't done, I've done very, very, very little media in the last few months because, you know, there's not a lot going on really. Yeah. And, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of this, the things that are, are being covered are legal issues. I'm not a lawyer. I don't have any particular insight into that stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, all of a sudden I'm getting requests like nothing happened nothing happened oh my god i know and it was just coincidence by the way just defending my own posture on inviting you on the show i I invited you on the show before (laughs) we knew that indictments were coming down this week it just asked me like two weeks ago it's fine (laughs) and listen it's i'm not saying that it's not um if i your show aside because Mm -hmm. or or even if that is why i'm not I think there there is a conversation to be had for sure. Yeah. Like otherwise, like I wouldn't have done it and I wouldn't have done the other hits I've done. But it's it's what drove it that mm-hmm. makes me crazy. It's the you know, his lie about it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Is what's making me crazy. 
Right. Well, there just continues to be this drive toward normalizing things. And I think it feeds into this observation that I think so many of us have this really short attention span. We have a even shorter term memory when it comes to events and not only the press, but also social media is starting to lapse into some of the same mistakes that were made in 2015, 2016, where we're seeing a return to just allowing uh, free range trolls and bots to spread information all over the place. Many of those being uh, pro Trump bots. And uh, the press is back to its old thing where we're essentially right now showing an empty podium. <laughs> the coverage of the uh, outside so the courtroom in New yesterday. York. Yeah. It's like deja vu all over again. And I put a picture of the empty <laughs> podium up there on Twitter because you're exactly right. Here we go again, wasting precious resources on nothing happening. Yeah, yeah. And so one of my things is the in the journey speech that I've been giving. If our idea of accountability is solely based on prison time for Donald, we're probably gonna end up being disappointed. That's essentially mm -hmm. the theme of what I've been talking about. So mm -hmm. I feel as though we should embrace the process. The getting there is half the fun part of this, the, the, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Knowing that he's stressed out and miserable, possibly, mm -hmm. with all yeah. of these criminal investigations bearing down on him, so what I wanted to ask you is if this is a smart way to calibrate our expectations or is it self-deluding, uh, you know, this whole idea whether Donald is as stressed out as I think he is. Should mm -hmm. we enjoy the journey of this? Is it stressing him out as much as I'd like to think it is? Yeah, listen, I, I, I think you're exactly on target there. Oh, thank um, All right. Yeah. Yeah. So we're done. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's a very, very important frame through which to look at all of this. It is a crucial way to keep ourselves from setting ourselves up for crushing disappointment. Mm -hmm. I mean, listen, we, we have to understand all of this in its historical context. Um, we know that Richard Dixon stole the 68 election by, uh, what's, I can't, what's the word? Scuttering, scuppering? Scut <laughs> yes, scuttling, scuttling, scuttling the peace scuttling. talks. Scuttling, yeah, thank yeah, you. It's yeah. a good word and I keep forgetting. <laughs> scuttling the peace talks, what resulted in, yeah, he won the presidency, but mm -hmm. tens of thousands of more Americans and God knows how many Vietnamese people died. For no reason. Yep. Um, we know that Reagan stole the 80 election in similar fashion by uh, making a deal through back channels with Iran. Um, and we know that the Supreme Court stole <laughs> the election for George W. Bush. Yep. And every single one of those presidents committed crimes against America. Mm -hmm. And none of them was ever held accountable. Yeah. in any way whatsoever. So is Donald worse? Yeah. I mean, there are people who say that Bush is worse because he killed more people. And I'm like, then you're discounting the over a million people who died of COVID because of him. So, you know, yeah, yeah. I'm not willing to make that concession. But there's been no, this the, the hist one his strand of American history is the history of no accountability for powerful white men. I mean, just mm -hmm. look what happened in the South. You know, the South won the Civil War, people, and we're still dealing with the fallout from that. So to have, as 
your um, your bar for acceptable accountability, seeing Donald in prison for the rest of his life and all of his assets seized. Well, you're you're going to be miserable. Yeah. If that's what you're thinking, first of all, and I've heard people use the word unseemly to describe having that happen. I don't give a shit about what it looks like. Right. And I don't think it would be. I think it's unseemly that he's not going to be going to prison. It's logistically impossible. Exactly. It just is. And, you know, I mean, maybe we can hope for some kind of ankle monitor situation. But I ask you, how would that be different from the life he leads now? He lives at a golf club. And yeah. he goes nowhere. Right. It's just so, you know, I, I don't think he would notice the difference. I'd like to see him impoverished, perhaps. Hopefully, E.G. Carroll can accomplish that for us. Yeah. But it is much smarter to say, and actually, I had a conversation with Dahlia Lithwick about this, and I was being kind of you know, negative. And she's like, we need to take the wins where we get them. You know, it doesn't, it, it, we can't let the uh, perfect be the enemy of the good. We mm-hmm. just, we cannot. And I mean, I think we can absolutely criticize harshly Merrick Garland and his abysmal track record uh, during this entire debacle. But, you know, if if New York's the only indictment, well, that's something because that's never been done before. Um, Is it enough? No, it's never going to be. Uh, But. That plus the fact we need to understand that it's going to take a very, very long time for all of this to play out. This is the rest of his life. And he's making it that way, Mary. It seems as though his strategy is to delay long enough until he's dead. I'm not trying to be morbid by saying that, but I think what he wants to do is continuously run out the clock until he, you know, is physically unable because he's dead to face the full consequences. Because while we sit here and go, well, the chances of him serving actual prison time are minimal given who he is and what the complications of that would be with Secret Service and so on. And then obviously there are a gazillion steps between now and that eventuality. However, Uh it's still enough of a question mark, I think, to make him miserable, to not know what the end game of all of this is going to be between five now maybe even six criminal investigations one of those things could end up landing on his giant pumpkin head at some point like an (laughs) anvil like uh, landing on bugs bunny or whatever that's something that's still out there and that is causing him to go through these just extraordinary lengths to delay and delay and delay if he were confident that he wasn't going to prison he wouldn't be doing a lot of this do you think is that is that yeah. something that crosses his mind? Like, okay, well, there's, it's possible that I could go to prison, so I need to delay this as much as possible. Or would he do it irrespective of what the end game would be? It, it's such a long-standing tactic of his mm-hmm. that it, you know he learned this from Roy Cohn. You just throw you throw money at the problem, and yeah, yeah. you do to them what they're doing to you times a hundred, mm-hmm. right? Uh, which is why when the Justice Department came out for him in 1973, he sued them for like a hundred million dollars. I guess that's just his number because he's suing me for a hundred million dollars. <laughs> oh, you know, makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's it's been a good strategy and think about it, like in, in the past, and this is the, the case for some things now, um, 
in fact, the the indictments, sorry, the not charges, but the convictions of his two companies, which apparently are their own, like are independent yeah. entities. Right. Like no people had anything to do with the companies. The companies committed fraud. Mm-hmm. You know, he had to pay a fine. Like he's always paying fines and and that to him is just the price of doing business. You know, like com- corporations who cut corners because they know it's cheaper to pay off lawsuits than it is to to make the changes that will save people's lives or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're in different territory, though, because mm-hmm. as you said, a lot of this stuff is is criminal. And I, I don't know. Yeah, I, of course, there's always that possibility in the back of his head. And I, I would guess that it's, as far as his state of mind goes right now, he's, he's um, kind of channeling among uh, rage, self-pity, and <laughs> abject terror. Makes me so happy. Which is great. And, and you know, one way to look at this, even though I, I know it's not, it's not enough and it's not particularly satisfying, but one way to look at how all of this stuff is playing out, and it's getting really serious. Like this latest Jack Smith thing is very serious. Mm-hmm. He lied to his attorneys. Yeah, the crime fraud exception has been pierced with Corcoran, who has to hand over his materials. Is that in a way, as much as we can complain about the system, as much as we can scoff at the idea that justice delayed is justice denied? Because I don't know. I feel like it's been delayed a really long time. He is being held accountable as the process is playing out because I don't know about you, but I don't have to spend, I'm not spending millions and millions of dollars on attorneys and having to go to depositions (laughs) and having to worry about being indicted for 7 billion different things Mm -hmm. and having to worry that I'm going to get bankrupted by all, or having to worry that my lawyers are going to turn on me because I betrayed that. I don't have to worry about any of that. In your estimation, is it beyond just lying to Evan Corcoran? Do you think that behind the mask of attorney-client privilege that Donald said things to his representation that were incriminating, where he confesses to what he's done? Is he just being as ridiculous with his own attorneys as he is on Troth Central, or is he telling them things that he probably shouldn't say, believing that that stuff is privilege? Yeah, I mean, he probably doesn't understand what uh, a fraud crime exception is. Although I suppose somebody will have to explain it to him. (laughs) I think it it probably falls into two camps. As you know, Donald is quite expert at finding people's weaknesses Mm -hmm. and finding people who will go along with him. So I think his attorneys probably fall into two camps. Those whom he's put into serious legal jeopardy because of his carelessness and his belief that uh, confidentiality extends to anything he says. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it worked with Michael Cohen until it didn't. Yeah. And Michael Cohen's an interesting case in point. He kind of represents both of these because at first he was in the other camp, which is co-conspirator. Mm-hmm. And eventually he became the person, uh, you know, for whom the line had been crossed. So I think, you know, in the co-conspirator camp, probably Corcoran, um, you know, that that crazy woman who was drinking Diet Dr. Pepper. During oh, yeah, 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 right, right. Sidney Powell yeah. and, uh, you know, that crazy bunch of people. And mm-hmm. then, you know, he has he has legitimate. I mean, I don't know if any 
attorney who would work would ha- with him at this point is legitimate, but you know, <laughs> attorneys who are more like seriously, like what do you what do you think you're signing up for? Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of how I feel about Melania when anybody tries to cut her slack. It's like she she knew, yeah. like there was enough evidence at that point. Um, so I I think it's um, I think we're going to find out though that he's he crossed the line with attorneys who were not willing to be co-conspirators. Right, uh, right. So I, I think it's very likely that he let something slip <laughs> thinking that he was covered mm-hmm. by attorney client privilege when now he is in fact not. But the thing I keep thinking of, and, and this popped into my head as uh, you were just talking about Michael Cohen, for example, at some point, it seems like the fuse would run out on his inner circle supporters, the people who sort of orbit around him, people like Giuliani and so on. They must get exhausted to some extent of constantly <laughs> having to triage Donald's fuck ups. And I know I would. I mean, just constantly, I mean, even as a supporter. I mean, I remember back in the 90s. After all of the Clinton scandals, I think this actually undermined Al Gore's chances in 2000 um, beyond just whatever fuckery that was taking place as far as cheating goes. I think that the left got exhausted with constantly having to defend Bill Clinton in spite of the booming economy and the great successes of that decade. I just think we got tired of it. We just, okay, another thing, I'm, I'm tired of sticking my neck out in support of this guy. And some of us kind of backed away from supporting uh, that administration. And then, unfortunately, okay. by extension, Al Gore. Right. What That's happened on occasion with Donald Trump. Michael Cohen being an example. Enough is enough. But that could be also motivated by revenge, too. Like, okay, exactly. you screwed me over. Now I know things that will screw you over, too, you son of a bitch. But I, I'm surprised that we haven't seen more of that. You know what I mean? I do. And... Uh- I think it is, though, because Michael Michael Collins an outlier simply because he got caught. He committed the crime for Donald, right? So Donald yeah. really is the worst actor here. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cohen just was not happy that Donald didn't support him enough, or I, I guess, um, and then kind of got uh, actively vengeful against Cohen. Yeah. And... I mean, the thing is, uh, Michael Cohen could pretend that he's re- rehabilitated all he wants, but he's a terrible person. Um, so, I mean, I guess, you know, good for him that mm. he's 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 fooled a lot of people into thinking he's some great guy. But, you know, the only reason Cohen abandoned Donald is because he got caught and he got punished and Donald did it. Yeah. So um, I think with the hardcore inner circle, they're either, I I think they're in sort of three camps. And I started thinking about this a couple of weeks ago when all of a sudden, when whispers of a pending indictment started getting out there, Fox, which had been kind of distancing itself and doing puff pieces for Ron DeSantis and same thing with some Republicans in Congress, all of a sudden they're all falling in line behind Donald again mm-hmm. because he's being indicted. Okay. Yeah. I'm like, okay. That means that, uh, you know, there, there are just these true believers who have so little core, you know, they have so little of their own identity 
that they can't imagine not ha- not being in Donald's orbit. It's just pathetic. Mm-hmm. And Donald is, again, really good at finding people who are weaker than he is, which is shocking because <laughs> who could be weaker than he is? Well, oh, apparently a lot of people, you know, yeah. Jason Miller comes to mind. Lindsey Graham comes to mind. These are just pathetic people who seem to have absolutely no sense of purpose other than to be in service to somebody like Donald Trump. And then you have the the um, opportunists, mm-hmm. you know, like Mitch McConnell will be one. If Donald turns out to be the nominee, Mitch McConnell will be completely on board. Yep. And then, you know, the third category, and this this just seems so much more obvious now. How many of these people are being blackmailed? Because <laughs> yeah. it doesn't make any sense to me why any of them would would be hanging in there. He's just how yeah. many off ramps. And I think that's also why we need to stop thinking about. It. I need to stop thinking about it in terms. Of, there's no such thing as an off ramp. They're all in. He is them. They are him, etc. Yeah, and in fact, I'm pretty certain. And obviously, I don't have any evidence of this. So this is just an assumption. But God, he spent four years in the Oval Office, probably pouring through all kinds of confidential FBI files on his friends and enemies alike. And so Mm -hmm. when you talk about blackmail, oh, my God, he had access to the best of all blackmail. I mean, he had access to FBI investigation, FBI dossiers and so on. And so in that regard, he was well fueled to manipulate weak people, uh, especially vulnerable people. But what astonishes me, and it would have to almost be that way because... I mean, these are not all dummies. I mean, let's say Lindsey Graham, for example, is not an idiot. I mean, obviously, we disagree with him on on literally everything. (laughs) But he should know by now that everyone in Donald Trump's inner circle is expendable. Everyone in his inner circle will be used as a human shield if it comes down to, you know, Donald or them. If it comes down to a matter of... Donald in trouble, he's going to throw everyone, including, I wouldn't be surprised, his own children under a bus if it meant protecting himself from legal jeopardy or otherwise. Why don't they know that? Why don't they see that? Because it happens all the damn time. Because the people are weird. Uh, (laughs) Good answer. Yeah, true. (laughs) Um, Think about it. It, it, I think the best analogy is... uh, people who smoke cigarettes. Ah, yeah. You need to delude yourself into thinking that you are somehow immune from getting lung cancer <laughs> in order to enjoy smoking, which I used to do. Me okay? too. Right? Yep. Um, my favorite, th- it, it's incredible how much I love smoking cigarettes. Oh, yeah. Um, and I miss it, but I now realize that, uh, yeah, it's, it's bad really for bad you. for you. Yeah. And I don't want to die 10 right. years, 20 years <laughs> before my time. Um, it's kind of the same psychology. It's like, well, sure, it happens of all, all these other people, but they're not as special as I am. He, he didn't love them as much as he loves me. Um, I am I'm not expendable in the way they were. I am more loyal on and on and on. Like that's, that's the conversations they have in their head. Well, uh, you know, unconsciously, I'm assuming how that play, how it plays out. They just don't think it could happen to them, even though it, as you point out, it happens to everybody. Yeah. Um, 
The other thing, though, too, is that it's really easy to re- rehabilitate yourself with him. How many times has Lindsey Graham pissed him off and and been banished? Well, then he just comes crawling out back, and Donald always Donald will accept anybody, no matter what they've done, as long as they pledge their undying love and loyalty to him again. Yeah, yeah. And then he's got you. You have to be even more subservient if that's possible. Yeah, right. And I think Steve Bannon falls in that category, too. I mean, how many times has he been called sloppy Steve Bannon only to turn around and defend Donald Trump vigorously on his stupid podcast? It's amazing. It's amazing how they keep coming back for more. And I I love the analysis that they're just that self-deluded, making the comparison Mm -hmm. to how you delude yourself about cigarette smoking. I mean, that is a perfect uh, metaphor for, I think, what goes on in in that inner circle I was talking about. Um, one other question related to New York. Do you believe mm-hmm. Maggie Haberman's reporting today that Donald wants to be defiantly perp walked before his arraignment after an indictment? I, I uh, spoke with Lawrence O'Donnell last night and before I came on, he talked about this terrible tendency of certain journalists, if you want to call them that, yeah. to be stenographers uh-huh. and, and to buy what they're being sold. You know, there's no reason to think that their depictions of Donald as defiant or happy to be perp walked yeah. or sad even. Like I heard that I'm, and I'm like, he's incapable of feeling sadness. That's insanity. <laughs> you know, if you mean self-pitying, sure. Yes. Sad, no. I no. mean, that's like he can't feel sad any more than he can feel love. He's just not <laughs> wired that way. So, so the idea that And look, he may be presenting it to them that way. He probably is. But the idea that he is anything but terrified and not terrified because, you know, we all know he's not going to prison. He's terrified of the humiliation. I don't care who you are. If you are getting (laughs) you're getting fingerprinted, you're getting your mugshot. And not only that, it's this is not optional. He can't say, you know what? I've changed my mind. I'm leaving now. He literally (laughs) will be in custody for the first time in his life. Mm -hmm. He will be in a situation he's not in control of to that degree. Yep. So, no, it's there's nothing fun about this. There's no defiance. He will spin it that way. And there are a lot of gullible people who will buy it. He'll fundraise off of you know, his his grievance and his victimhood, but he's just as terrified as he was when he was two and a half years old and, uh, you know, his mom was in the hospital. Oh, yeah. I keep thinking about the mashed potatoes story, too, as you're talking about how he is afraid of being humiliated by an arraignment, by being booked. <laughs> and I, That's I go an back even to, better. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think the, the fear, is, fear is always the deepest thing he feels, uh, you mm-hmm. know. And that's the the fear of abandonment and and um, you know I'm sure he's experienced he's probably a little freaked out about the whole lawyer situation because who's going to stick with him at this point in terms of his legal team, but yeah it oh it always comes back to the iconic mashed potatoes that's what it's going to feel like <laughs> getting I don't know if you've ever had a mugshot or been fingerprinted but nope. you know 
pretty vulnerable, <laughs> yeah. humiliating experience, There's, especially since it's not like it happens and it's over. Everybody on the planet is going to see that mugshot. Oh, yeah. I'm framing it. I'm getting it framed. It's going you on my wall. really want that guy's face on your wall. Come oh, on. I will savor every <laughs> second that that is on my wall. I mean, it's not going to be in a prominent place. I mean, I don't want to see his face in my office, but uh, yeah, in a place where I can remind myself, I think just, oh, just visible enough. Where the enough. dartboard is, for example. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Today's show is brought to you in part by the After Party Podcast on our Patreon page every Friday. Kimberly Johnson and I record a fourth Bob Seska show podcast for the week, but this one's totally different from the usual Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday shows. The Friday after party is loaded with all the politics you want, while also including uncensored, completely obscene conversations about sex, drugs, rock and roll, television, our personal lives, all the crap we can't get away with on the free show. So please help support this podcast by subscribing to our Friday after party for just $10 per month and bonus more dings. You're also going to get two Shadow Docket shows every week included in that level of support. That's bobseskashow.com or patreon.com slash bobseskashow, and we thank you. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bob Seska! All-time favorites all day long! Well, you know, you, you talked about... Um, the MAGA masculinity thing the other day on your show. Um, do these people really seriously believe Donald is as masculine as he likes to think that he is? Or do they know that he's not and they're just compensating for the fact that he's just this cowardly little man with all sorts of contrivances, barely holding himself together, the makeup, the hair, the baggy suits, etc. I mean, wh- what is, what's the deal with that? What's the deal with this whole idea of holding Donald up as this masculine icon? Yes, we were just speaking of self-delusion, were we not? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yes, thank you. But but you actually did nail it. It, 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 Donald's useful to them, Mm -hmm. uh, not because he's a paragon of stereotypical male strength. It's because they identify with the fact that he is such a loser, and they admire the fact that despite the fact that he's Uh. such a loser... He has still, and, and you know, I am sorry to say this is true, but he was the leader of the free world. And every time I say that, it, I think I lose years off my yeah, life because it, it is one of the most horrifying things that has ever happened in mm-hmm. this country's history. Yep. And we will never recover from the saint of it ever. Wow. But they like that because they're losers too. So it's hmm. that identification. They also love 
love the fact that he gets away with everything. So, you know, if that's your, if that, all of that sounds to you like um, things that should be aspired to, and you want to render that visually, yeah, it's going to be a superhero. And you know what? I think this also, this whole masculinity thing uh, on the right, and we're talking about toxic masculinity here. We're not just talking mm-hmm. about basic yeah. masculinity. But that seems to be feeding this holy war against trans people, drag performers. Mm-hmm. Um, naturally, Ben Shapiro, Michael Knowles, Matt Walsh are behind so much of the disinformation and fear-mongering. So a few days ago, you went off about uh, Ben Shapiro and Jonathan Swift, I think, on your show. Uh, <laughs> tell me about that. How did you contrast those two characters? Yeah, and it is, it is fascinating if you think about a lot of the commentators on the right, some of whom you mentioned, Charlie Kirk, yeah. or you know their, their new heroes, uh, the murderer, Kyle Rittenhouse. They are <laughs> all just like these underdeveloped. And I mean, I don't care. Like This isn't an ad hominem attack, but I'm just saying, if, if your ideal is the hyper-masculinity that they embrace and your <laughs> your messengers are Charlie Kirk and Ben Shapiro and Kyle Rittenhouse, then that's there's kind of a, a discrepancy there. Mm-hmm. So sure. Ben Shapiro, you know, the lover of the unborn, the uh, the man who thinks life is is precious mm-hmm. and you know should be preserved at all costs, even if it means murdering everybody who <laughs> disagrees with you. Uh, also has said that it's just too expensive to feed children. So <laughs> fuck them. <laughs> so like, I immediately thought of Jonathan Swift, who most people know as the writer of Gulliver's Travels, but mm-hmm. he was also, I mean, he also wrote a lot of polemical uh, essays and the most famous of which is A Modest Proposal. And at the time he was writing it was 300 years ago, there was massive famine in in Ireland, and uh, you know there was a lot of prejudice against the Irish anyway. So uh, many people, many so-called conservative people, didn't really care that you know a bunch of poor Irish people and children were starving. Mm-hmm. So his solution uh, in a modest proposal was to sell the starving Irish children. Um, as as delicacies to rich English men, <laughs> it'll solve the population problem, right? Right, right. Makes, and it will help the rest of the family because they'll get some money for their starving children, who will then be eaten by the fat rich Englishmen. Clearly so, satirical, right? Yeah. Clearly satirical, yeah. and it's like okay, that it's it's really kind of fascinating how Ben Shapiro seems to be channeling Jonathan Swift in a modest proposal, but with this crucial difference. Jonathan Swift was a satirist, and Ben Shapiro's just a fucking sadist oh, yeah. who actually doesn't care if children starve. I mean, these people are just so obscenely cruel right? Uh, that it's, I think it is, you're, you're, absolutely right it is all fueled by their massive insecurity you know you look at their ideal man and it's this bulked up guy carrying an ak-47 i'm like i'm sorry if you need a gun to go to the grocery store there's something wrong with you you are not a tough guy yeah 
what happened there? I mean, how did that get suddenly framed as being brave and bold that you have to walk into a Starbucks strapping an AK-47 or an AR-15 in order to keep yourself safe from what the aspiring writer in the corner who's blogging about his meal from last night. I I don't understand what the threat is and and why you need a rifle in a setting like that. It obviously screams out to any normal human being. Well, this person's fearful. This person is terrified of things that uh, have almost no chance of actually happening. I mean, very little chance. Statistically speaking, (laughs) the odds of you needing an AR-15 at a Starbucks are almost zero. And yet that is defined as masculine. It's absolutely baffling how that twist has taken place, how that's been flipped on its head and redefined as something that's courageous. So strange. Yeah, I think it's tied to two things. I think it's tied on the one hand to the myth of America, uh, sorry, uh, rugged individualism yeah. and, you know, the iconic gunslinger in the West mm-hmm. um, who was just, you know, uh, single-handedly um, keeping people safe, I, I guess. And yeah. uh, and I, I think that myth has gotten us into a lot of trouble. Um, and then the whole sense that certain conditions create a sense of invulnerability. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason the Ku Klux Klan wore masks. It wasn't only so that they wouldn't be identified. It was because it created a sense of power mm-hmm. that wasn't legitimate, but um, ended up being very effective. And that same thing, like if you, look, don't get me wrong. If I were so pathetic, I felt I needed to have a gun strapped to my thigh at all times. Um, I would, you know, let's, let's, let me change that around. If I hate guns, but I know how to use them. I grew up like, you know, like most, most kids who went to summer camp, I shot riflery Mm -hmm. and I was pretty good. I mean, I've, I've, I don't have lots of experience with with handguns, and I hate them. I hate them. But if you put a handgun in my hand, and I know how, to, and I'm comfortable using it, I would feel a certain level of security that I wouldn't necessarily feel if I didn't have it. I suppose in certain situations. Yeah. Um, but it's the need for it that is so bizarre. Mm-hmm. Like. What I cannot imagine feeling so afraid and so vulnerable and so weak that I would need to be packing heat to go for a walk in Central Park. You know what? You want to take some questions from my Patreon subscribers? I've got some great questions here. Oh, cool. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So uh, almost anything goes with this. So. Here we go. Uh, Corey Hansen asks, there's no question that Donald would throw his kids under the bus to save his own orange ass, but what are the odds they would do the same to him? Um, 100% for Ivana, <laughs> Ivanka. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Ivana has already been thrown under the bus. Um, With a whole bunch of uh, documents. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 100%, uh, what's her name? Ivanka and Jared. Um Probably 0% Donnie, and uh, I don't think anybody cares what Eric does. 
So there you go. <laughs> What's wrong with Donald Jr.? What is that? That what is that thing that he's doing on Rumble? Because there's obviously a lot of conversation about cocaine abuse or whatever. Mm. Or is he just like that? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I have no idea what's going on with him. But the <laughs> the thing he does with his fingers is so deeply disturbing. I know. You know the air quotes that just never stop. Like everything is an air is an air quote. It's a whole so, paragraph. Like a, yeah, it's like it's a paragraph. Yeah, yeah. It it's deeply disturbing to me. <laughs> um, but you know, I I hate saying this, but I I see. I mean, because I'm not talking about the quality of the human being, because Donnie is just a just an utterly despicable human being. Yeah. Um, between the hunting and the racism and the misogyny and just all of it is just grotesque, mm -hmm. and it, the sycophancy, all of it. But there is this way in which he reminds me. No. His relationship with Donald reminds me of my dad's relationship with my grandfather. There is just this devastating need for approval that will never come. Yeah. And a, a devastating need for love, which will never come because the people they're trying to get love from don't understand what love is. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I think that, that Donnie is as incapable of separating himself from Donald as my father was uh, separating himself from his father. It's, it's quite sad. It's really sad. And don't get yeah. me wrong. I don't feel bad for him because he's a terrible, terrible person. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there is, there is some serious codependence going on. Yeah. There. There's just this desperation that you mm. can see just pouring off of him like sweat. It just, it's bizarre. And the, to me, the, uh, almost, I don't know, hypertensive behavior on mm -hmm. rumble. It just seems like a guy who's desperately trying too hard. And it's, it's oh, really yeah. strange to see that from someone who has spent a lot of time in front of cameras in the media. And still yeah. he gets in front of his own camera and he's like, Oh my God, everyone look at me. 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 Daddy, daddy, daddy. Look at me. Look at me. Look what I'm saying. Look at, isn't this so clever? And I'm doing like an, an entire three minutes in dick quotes with my fingers. See that three minutes of this. <laughs> it's like uh, watching Rupert Pupkin in the King of Comedy. It's that level of, you just, you kind of get flop sweats for him. <laughs> you get flop mm. sweats just watching him. Anyway. Yeah. And you don't need the sound on. Um, right, right. To watch it, like you know exactly what's going on. What's What's even more odd to me is that nobody says anything. Like, hey, maybe, yeah, this is this is not great. You might want to rethink <laughs> how you uh, yeah. approach these informational videos. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, I think that too about this Republican thing that they're doing, and it happens almost every day, where they talk about what is objectively a pretty significant success story at the border. And then they frame it yes. like it's a crisis. It's like, hasn't anyone told them this is like one of the worst talking points they've ever come up with? This is ridiculous. You're actually like, doing oh our my, job for us. Right. They've, they've seized 20,000 pounds of fentanyl. <laughs> what a disaster. Like, when you wanted it to be on the streets. What are you talking about? Yeah, Ted Cruz did it today. He was like, yeah, yeah, they arrested 17 people on the terrorist watch list. Oh, my God, why is Joe Biden's border policy a disaster? Well, wait, open borders, no, open borders. <laughs> yeah, I'm so confused. No wonder 
everyone who follows these people is just kind of steam <laughs> shooting out of their ears like Uncle Fester. It's amazing. You know, people acting out in department stores. No wonder they're being yanked in all kinds of different directions. I thought that, well, that sounds like good. Oh, it's bad news? Oh, shit. It is bad news. I guess it's bad news. <sighs> so um, There's no truth anymore for these people. No. Ian, Facts don't matter. Truth is, it, none of it matters. That's right. It's just owning the lips. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ian Adkins asks, is Donald more afraid of vegetables or getting arrested? <laughs> uh, um, I don't think he's afraid of vegetables, but I think I think if he ate one, it would kill him. <laughs> uh, his system would reject them immediately. <laughs> um, yeah, prison for sure. Because, okay. all right. you know, he's not that insane. <laughs> well, and they're all, they could also feed him vegetables in prison. So it could be a double whammy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but they're probably from a can or boiled, so he'd true. be fine with that because yeah. that's what my grandmother served. Well, maybe vegetables in the form of toppings on a hamburger. <laughs> that would be as <laughs> close as he gets. Uh, exactly. Linda Linda O'Brien asked, did you at any time consider changing your last name? Nah, it's my name. Yeah, good. And that's good like, the, to me, like the funniest insult I get is that I'm a grifter using my uncle's name. I'm like, huh? <laughs> Pretty sure I don't pretend my name is Donald. Right, right. Oh my god! It was my father's name too. Yeah, <laughs> my daughter's name. I don't know. I don't think it's it belongs exclusively to him. And you know, I it was my nickname growing up. So that, like nobody at camp, nobody called me Mary. Everybody yep. called me Trump. So like really? I own it. Oh my yeah. god! Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. So people were calling you by your last name. I, I don't know if I could mm -hmm. ever do that. Uh, that's something I occasionally do with people, or I, I refer to them by their last name. It's just a affectation. I don't know that yeah. I could do that with you. I mean, I know some people who are like two name people. Like you, mm -hmm. you always got to refer to Pedro Pascal by both names. <laughs> you're another one. I always. I have, didn't realize that was compulsory. Yeah, you're you're a two name person. You're absolutely person. Mary Trump. Yeah, yeah, to me. You know what's funny though? So I mean, first of all, it's a camp thing, and I'm sure I'm not the only person who's was called by her last name. Although I think. A lot of people didn't know what my first name was because it was literally like, you know, I was like the one name person before Madonna. Um, All right. <laughs> yeah. But what's really funny is that I've only ever referred to myself as Mary. Yeah. And 99% of people I meet and know call me Mare. Like I've never, ever referred to myself that way. I've never given people permission. It's fascinating. So I appreciate that you always call me Mary. Interesting. So they landed on Mare. Huh. Yep. Okay. I get it. See, that would be weird to me. Like if people started calling me Robbie or something like that, yeah. like, yeah. well, where did where you get Robbie? When, when did you get authorization? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Who gave you permission <laughs> to go with Robbie? That, that doesn't make any sense. I'm not, besides I'm not a Robbie. Um, no, anyway, DJ asks, I'm wondering if you also think like I do that Garland is a pussy ass bitch, i.e. a <laughs> spineless wimp. And I think I know your answer. Oh man, that's far too gentle, in my opinion. Um, I saw your I, commentary on your show about this. Yeah, I tell you, Bob or Robbie, if you prefer. Um, <laughs> if things go south, which is still a possibility, uh -huh. right? It Merrick Garland will go down in history if history is even written um, as the person most responsible for the destruction of American democracy because he is the person with the 
maybe the only person with the power to stop the destruction. Mm-hmm. I'm. It's horrifying to me <laughs> what his inaction might um, affect yeah. over time. Yeah. Are you like me? Are you looking at January 20th, 2025 with a sense of foreboding like, oh, shit, that's going to be the deadline? Because if Joe Biden doesn't get reelected, that's when all of this ends. Jack Smith, uh, whatever investigation is happening about money laundering and SDNY, that's gone too. both of these grand juries. Seems like that is rapidly approaching. And it seems because of that. Things should be moving a lot faster than they are. I like the idea of appointing Jack Smith to kind of rocket propel this a little bit, but it seems like it was a little bit too late given the fact that we're just a couple of years away from D-Day, essentially. It was two years too late. Yeah. And, yeah, I, I mean, because when 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 does um, election season start? Now. It's, it's exactly. kind of now. Yeah, we're kind of in it. We don't have until January 2025. We have until maybe, if we're lucky, September, November of this year, January of 2024. I don't know. Yeah. We don't, we don't have uh, two years. Yeah. Or whatever. Two months, whatever. It is. Right. Well, it would seem like even the idea of having like the Iowa caucus on the Republican side would further complicate all of this or at least if they're if my assumption that Merrick Garland really has one eye focused on the politics and history of what he's doing of what's happening with these investigations seems like that Iowa caucus would create a huge impediment in all of this from a political and historic point of view and so in that regard I think you're absolutely right it may have to we may have to roll back that deadline to January 2024 seems like that would be i mean early but at the same time it would make sense that that would be kind of interfering with someone who was overly focused on the politics and a lot of americans because they've been primed to believe this will think that it is interfering with the campaign yep my god and and what what i find really troubling and mystifying is why a lot of these uh, deficiencies in the system haven't been addressed. Like, why have we not done anything about that stupid OLC memo uh, that says a sitting president can't be ind- indicted for crimes? Why have we done nothing about the, um, you know, you can't indict somebody or you can't do anything uh, within 60 days of a, an election or what, whatever? I mean, wh- yeah. why? I'm Okay, so... If I want to murder somebody, I'll just declare that I'm running for president and then murder them 30 days before the election in November, and then I'm fine. I mean, like, what sense does any of it make? And um, I, I mean, I think that the problem is that the fundamental problem that, uh, and and this is President Biden's responsibility, is that Merrick Garland was always the wrong person for the job. Mm-hmm. He never should have been nominated to the Supreme Court. So you can sort of lay this also at Barack Obama's feet. Um, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's got his eyes on the wrong prize. And uh, we're all, we all may suffer for it. 
Uh, let's see here. Scott Marcus asks, I'd like to know what you, Mary, see as the end game to this horrible period in our history that might actually start to bring us somewhat together again. Is there, just reinterpreting this question, Mary, is there a chance that the pendulum does swing back and we kind of rid ourselves of this what can only be defined as far as I'm concerned is a, a second 1850s. You know, we're, it, it seems like yeah. we're in that period of time that led right up to the civil war. That's not me predicting another civil war necessarily, but I'm saying mm-hmm. that's, that's the level of divisiveness we're at right now. And uh, it could actually get worse or the pendulum could swing and things will normalize. Where do you, where do you land on that? Well, you're ac- accurately portraying where the Republican party where uh, wants to place this country uh, historically. They want to turn the clock back to the 1850s. Yep. Not in terms of, you know, the, the division, but in terms of the rights Americans do and do not have. Um, so I think it's, you know, this, the problem has always been that the pendulum never swings as far to the left as it needs to, mm-hmm. to counter the damage that's done when it swings to the right as far as it often does. I mean, it's farther to the right than it's ever been, but you cannot tell me that, you know, um, Reagan and Bush didn't have that pendulum way past, you know, moderate middle of the road, you know, center right. Yeah. At all. I mean, and, and then the, what happens is the left moves, right. The right moves farther, right. Mm Mm-hmm. So when the left ha- is has power, the pendulum swings to the center right. Yeah. You know, we need to swing so far to the left that it kind of gets stuck for a while. Yeah. Um, and that will only happen if Democrats stop seeding ground. And like the whole thing about Biden, should Biden run? Should he not run? He's too old. Oh, yeah, let's just do the Republicans' work for them, shall we? Exactly. Thank you. (laughs) Right. Because I don't know. I mean, maybe you do have control over this. I don't have any control over whether or not President Biden decides to run for a re-election. And if he does decide to run, I think complaining about it is really fucking stupid and Mm -hmm. self-destructive. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're really good at that. We're really good at being self-defeating, yeah. I think. And <laughs> that's something we need to absolutely disabuse ourselves of. Otherwise, more disasters. Uh, and we're still picking up the pieces of, well, should it be Hillary? I don't know. I don't really like her. She's kind of a bitch. Jesus Christ. No, oh, no. And, what are you doing? we're doing that with uh, yeah. Vice President Harris. Yeah, right. Exactly. The exact same thing is happening with Kamala Harris, for sure. It's a goddamn tragedy, and I don't know. We just have to keep pushing back against that, Mary, I think, because, again, you said it exactly right, that we're doing their job for them for some reason, and uh, I'll never understand it. And uh, the more robustly that we push back against that notion, uh, the better off we'll be, I think. All right, one last break. Back with more Mary Trump right after these words. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Bob Seska plays more music. Um, changing topics entirely. William Refslin asks, what is your favorite Star Trek episode or movie? Oh, wow. Um, okay, movie, that's easy. I think it's probably a tie. Well, <laughs> two and four. But yeah. probably, if I had to choose one, it would be two. Okay. Uh, Wrath of Khan, sorry. Wrath of Khan, <laughs> yes, makes sense. Yes. Uh, but four, I, I actually did love with the whales. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my favorite episode that's tough because like there's so many iterations of star trek that i love um but if we go og i actually jesus this is really hard there's so many um i actually love uh mirror mirror yeah you know huge huge i love when nichelle nichols has the time to shine (laughs) um And, you know, probably not a popular opinion, but I absolutely adore The Trouble with Tribbles. <laughs> I just do. There's nothing wrong with that. That's a great episode. That's it's fun. It's such a yeah. great episode. Yeah. I also, I don't, I can't remember what it's called. Is it Turnabout Intruder when uh, Kirk changes places with the woman he used to be in love with? Oh, yeah, I think and, so, yeah. And uh, so she becomes him, pre- you know, captain of the Enterprise, and starts charging people with mutiny and having them executed and stuff like that. And I just thought it was like some of his best acting. Yeah. When he's actually a woman is inhabiting his body and it's a little bit with the the nail file. And I, you know, I just thought it was really great. And and of course, City on the Edge of Forever. I think that's yeah. a perennial classic. Um yeah, I mean those are uh, those are four. I I can't pick one. It's impossible. But then there are tons of deep debates, nine episodes and next generation episodes that oh, I yeah. just, I, I can't even begin uh, to list. Cause mm-hmm. I, I mean, the one when, when Picard gets kidnapped and tortured, that was pretty fascinating. Oh yeah. Chain of command, uh, Captain yes. Jellico, which reminds me. Uh, Jell- St- yeah, that was great. Star Trek Picard uh, this season is holy shit. Amazing. The first four episodes. In fact, I would put, the first four episodes of this new season of Picard on the same level as just about anything else in the Star Trek canon, because it, it is just, uh-huh. it's so tight, so well done, so dramatic. What, what do you think? After I've already embraced it, what do you think of uh, Star Trek Picard? Have you seen it this season yet? I have, I'm waiting because okay. I've heard, I, I, I had my heart broken in season two. Yeah. Um, I was disappointed with season one, season two. I was like, what is, what is happening? <laughs> it was so discombobulating. And then I hear that the, what the entire cast, original cast yeah. is coming back. On mm-hmm. um, I see Jerry Ryan just kicking ass. Yep. And I hear all the buzz. And I'm like, I am waiting until it's done. And I'm going to, 
find time and I'm going to just watch the whole thing because I just, I feel like I need to bask in it. Mm -hmm. Um, It sounds so incredible. So to have you uh, endorse it makes me very happy. It is some of the best Star Trek. And I was just saying that about Strange New Worlds. And so I feel like now mm-hmm. I'm like competing with myself in, in my head. I'm like, okay, where, where does this land? I mean, Strange New Worlds is doing for the original series what I think Picard season three is doing for the next generation and to an extent, at least in a modest way, DS9 and Voyager, uh, mm-hmm. where it's really putting a great... Uh, and and perfectly sealed end to some of these stories and folks who have seen episode five for example uh know what one of those events actually is and uh one of those storylines that ends in episode five of uh season three of picard and so i was going to say too and answering myself what william asked a second ago uh i would put spock amok from Strange New Worlds, I think we're just episode five. I've seen that season all the way through an embarrassing number of times, Mary. Can you just remind me? Because um, clear, clearly I don't I don't remember the names of episodes. <laughs> that was the that was the Freaky Friday episode. That's where Spock changes places with his fiance, where they they're doing a mind meld oh, and they yeah, switch yeah, yeah, yeah. bodies accidentally, and then they have to proceed through the rest of the episode in the wrong bodies. And it's yeah, it's funny, it's interesting, it's and there's this great B plot with Pike negotiating with this new species to enter the Federation and trying to figure out what their personalities are, and mm-hmm. realizing something interesting about that, and where empathy comes into play significantly by the end. And it's just, it's a great episode all the way around. It's one of those episodes where if I knew someone like Kimberly, for example, doesn't like Star Trek, but if I were to introduce her to Strange New Worlds, that would be the episode I would show her. It's both accessible and fun for those of us who are fans. So uh, strongly recommend that I'm sorry. I I just can't believe your relationship was strong enough to survive that. But that's a a good sign. But yeah, I mean, I I think that um, Anson Mount as Captain Pike is just a revelation. Yep. And just knowing what we know about the fate he meets and why, I, I mean, I know that was uh, from Discovery mm-hmm. that we learned that in Discovery. But knowing that as 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 Strange New Worlds progress, it's just every so everything that character does is informed by his knowledge of what is his yeah. what fate awaits him. It's just incredible, and um, yeah, I I think there there was one episode I absolutely thought was just like what is happening <laughs> um and there are some like logical inconsistencies that i don't quite understand but generally speaking across the board you know number one is fabulous mm-hmm. i i love the cast um yep. ethan whatever his name is who plays spock is great yeah it's just really 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 well done and and yeah that is a great episode i uh, discovery on the other hand <laughs> What happened? I mean, yeah, what happened? I don't know. I, don't know. I stopped watching it like in the middle of season three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I went back. I went back and watched the Pike arc after watching yeah. Strange New Worlds through. God, I was going to say seven times. I've seen the ten episodes of Strange New Worlds, so I've watched Strange mm-hmm. New Worlds seventy times. Um, mm-hmm. That's how sick I am. Um, but yeah, I went oh, back through, and I, I really enjoyed the Pike 
arc uh, with the mm-hmm. time crystal and everything like that. Yeah. Um, but it was one of those things where I, I think the fatal flaw with Discovery is it wasn't enough like the Star Trek we love. So I think it lost some fans while it gained others. And that was, I think, the central issue with that series. But I'm, I am grateful for it, for introducing us, for, for creating the spinoff Strange New Worlds from that, from that seed. So in that regard... I've kind of revised my overall historic view of Discovery. Well, I, what's really bizarre about Discovery, but like I don't mind that they went off in a different direction. Yeah. But it, it's sort of like Strange New Worlds became what Discovery should have been. Like they kept mm-hmm. throwing away characters that had were had developed been developed and were really interested. Like what, why didn't Michelle Yao have to go away? Yeah. Like the whole um, area 31 or whatever it's called. Like that was fascinating mm-hmm. to me. And then I can't remember. I'm uh, clearly I'm terrible with names. Um, you know, this, she was sort of a minor character and then she decided she was from a different ship and she decided to, to stay with discovery and then go like thri- 900 years into the future with them. And really interesting character. I think she was in, um, she did security and then she decides to like stay on this other planet and yeah. just like, isn't in the show anymore. I'm like, and then they kept adding new characters that weren't nearly as interesting. And it's like, what is going on? It's like, it was trying to be all things to all people, but had no sense of loyalty to the story arc or to the original or to the characters themselves. And it was just ended up being very confusing. It also had a couple of the worst episodes of television I've ever seen. In my life. <laughs> That's bold. Uh, which episode? Do you remember the episodes? I do indeed. I think it was season two. Yeah. And um, Michael and uh, the, the, sorry, the first officer, the very tall. Yes. Yes. I know he's talking about Doug Jones plays that, that character. Yeah. Yes. Doug Jones, right. His character. And you know how they have that their earlobes or some part of their body. And, and then when they fall off, uh, they die yeah, or something because they live <laughs> right. on this planet where, you know, that their sensitivities are used to, con- the over- their overlords use them to control this whole race of pe- people. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're told when those things fall off, they uh, are going to, they die. So they all die. Right. At around that time. And then <laughs> they're in her, his room and he's going through whatever that change is called. And his prosthetics fall off and he's dying or she thinks he's dying. It's just so, it's so embarrassingly bad. The writing is terrible. And it turns out it's just like a form of puberty for, you know, adults. Oh, like they just, right. they just evolve to the next level of their being and they stop being so hypersensitive and afraid but their overlords don't want them to stop being hypersensitive and afraid. So instead of a rite of passage, it becomes just death. Yeah. 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 Because he's not on his home planet anymore. He realizes that, Oh, it's just my earlobes fell off and now I'm fine. And I'm just not afraid of everything all the time. It's so just go watch it because it's terrible. Okay. And, and I want, I want to know what you think, but it was, I was like, (laughs) how does a show survive an episode? This absolutely horrible. Right. 
Well, uh, before we wrap up, Mary, I need to enlist you to uh, help us all out and see if we can get, and, and you will especially want to embrace this once you've watched the newest season of Picard. Mm-hmm. We need to get a fan movement together to have a USS Titan A spinoff from season three of Picard, because uh, you were talking about additional characters that come along on top of the entire Commander Next Generation Rowe, crew. Michelle Forbes, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I she, just saw a picture on Twitter. Yes, she, she comes back. Amazing. Oh, my God. That's an incredible. That was uh, episode five of this season and in, in just uh, uh, such a great episode. In fact, they're all so good. Anyway, um, this new crew that they're introducing that includes Jerry Ryan as Seven of Nine as the first officer and the captain of the Titan A, who's this character played by Todd Stashwick, uh, Captain Liam Shaw, who's got kind of a Captain Jellico thing about him. He's kind of an mm-hmm. asshole that you love to hate that mm-hmm. has, has got a great attitude and is, it's a great performance uh, by Stashwick. And that, that crew, the Titan A, needs to be its own series. And I'm not sure if it's going to happen or not. It could be in the works. It might not be. Who knows? But uh, I think a fan push to get that spinoff going, I think, uh, would help that story along because these are characters that just can't be disposable. We just can't make Captain Liam Shaw and Seven of Nine disposable crew members from who are just facilitating something for the Next Generation crew in this story. It seems like, and it seems obvious that they should have their own uh, continuing saga that follows all of this. So, but uh, again, fans are going to need to demand it for that to happen. At least that's Listen, my assumption. I, I am all over that because there was supposed to be um, an, a spinoff from Discovery with Michelle Yeoh called Section 31. Yes. About that really fascinating area of Star Trek that kind of operates in the shadows and it sort of seems antithetical to the mission. And after this Academy Award, do you think she's going to do serialized television anymore? I don't know. Maybe it's a possibility. I'm, I kind of doubt it. And it's a shame because it was, I think, probably the most promising aspect of the show. So, if that's, I mean, I'm sure it's the case. And I think, yeah. I think Jerry Ryan is just phenomenal. She's so good. Um, yeah. uh, you know, and, and that character is just phenomenal. Uh, so I would love to see that. Um, I'd like to see her be captain actually. So yeah. maybe that could be part of, part of the show. Like somehow we get rid of, uh, What's his name? <laughs> yeah, get, get, what are you talking about? Getting rid of uh, Liam Shaw? Just yes, <laughs> like Liam Shaw. No, yeah, but we got we got oh we got to keep him though. He's so good. He, I mean, you, you'll see. Oh, really? You'll see how good when he, he gets is, demoted yeah. or something. Yeah. Okay, we'll, they, we'll, we'll they could switch. Yeah, they could switch. You and I will figure it out. We'll we'll get we'll get started on the pilot immediately. Yeah, yeah. But yes, I'm I'm totally behind that because <laughs> there is a Star Trek to be. You know, the mistakes aside, and there have been many. But it is the greatest franchise. And, you know, it what I love and it, you know, it's the shows that that misstep yeah. are the shows that forget the original mission. Mm-hmm. You know? Um Yeah. It's it's to find the best in humanity. Exactly. And uh that's that's we need more of that. 
It's like with the West Wing. I love getting to the end of a Star Trek episode. Doesn't matter which series. The ones that make you feel really good with the uh-huh. conclusion. The denouement comes along, and suddenly we're like, "Oh my God! I, I want to rewind and and pump that into my veins one more time." And, and uh-huh. especially now, that sort of thing is like gold, as far as I'm concerned. Uh-huh. That is. Uh, an incredible experience, and that's what Star Trek, I think, does best. It's that hope and optimism for the future that uh, uh-huh. can really help us through our turbulent modern times, and they are certainly turbulent. Okay, Mary, yeah. I know yeah. we could we could talk about this for hours we and could. hours and hours <laughs> We and should hours. start a show that's just about this kind of stuff. No kidding. Uh, and you know what? I always think about that, and it's one of those things where I think about it, and then I go... Well, you know what? The discourse around comic book movies and Star Trek and Star Wars online is like a thousand times more toxic than politics. And I didn't think that was even possible, <laughs> but it kind of is. No, no, we'll do. I mean, listen, the conversation we just had, nothing toxic about it. And we can, you know, it could be Star Trek as counterpoint to the horrors of our time. I am so there. I mean, if you want to do, right, it, I, do it, I'm fine with it. I totally I, want to do it. Yeah, I was thinking more in terms of the fan kind of reaction, the divisiveness that occurs around some of these sorts of things but um, I, i'm t- i'm totally willing i will do whatever totally you want learned how to ignore all of those people <laughs> Boy, if you're yeah. gonna do a show about star trek mary i'm so there i'll i'll change my schedule no, if it. i need to let's, yeah i'm on it let's let's talk offline as the cool kids say yeah 100 well you got it i think we've got something going here so sounds like a plan <laughs> now they're gonna be expectations so <laughs> and it's worry. an excuse to watch more star trek come on win-win <laughs> exactly I know some people who could join us, some people who are involved with Star Trek who would love to be on the show uh, to, to talk about it. So that's for sure. And it gives me a chance to re, you know, re- revisit Discovery because maybe I'm, I'm being unfair. Because yeah. I haven't watched the last two seasons. And you know, I think uh, a, lot of the, a lot of the cast members are quite something. Yeah, yeah. Perfection. Right. Okay, well, you're on, Mary. <laughs> I, I'm so in. I, I'm, I'm all in. Me too. Okay, my friend. Well, it was great talking to you again, and uh, we'll have to do it again real soon. All right, thanks. Take care. Take care, Bob. Bye-bye.